Welcome to this week's episode of the Nerd Chatter Podcast, where two nerds sit down and chit-chat about nerd things that we find throughout the week. As always, I'm joined with my good buddy Garrett. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you doing this week? Not too bad. Not too bad. Pretty uh, pretty interesting week on the uh, social media and such. I um, know. It's kind of blew up later this, or in the late part of this week, huh? Yeah, it kind of seems like how you know, it goes. Like Wednesday, Thursday, it gets a little, a little crazier, and then Friday is like an onslaught, but... Yeah, uh, you know some interesting news regarding some some major properties and such. So, uh, you know, we'll get into that here in a bit. But as always, like to go over some of the free and heavily discounted games uh, run across throughout the week. And this week we have a a little bit. There's 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 more than just one this week. Um, but as always, Epic Game Store has their free game, uh, which runs until August 11th, and that is Unrailed, and it's uh, basically like a Minecraft train centric type of uh, procedurally generated game so uh, you know if you're if you're into collecting titles and bumping up your your game count like myself uh, you can never fail with just taking whatever's free you know what i mean um another one that's free this week on steam is despotism 3k uh, that's also until august 11th that's an indie strategy game with like a six bit or a 16 bit graphic style where you kind of i think you play as like an ai um it's like if you were playing the AI for Matrix, right? And like you're taking like humans and you're using them to like run things. Um, an interesting design style on that one, actually. I'm actually gonna probably look into that one. Might even stream it a little bit too. It looks uh, looks like a good one, you know. Free is not bad. Yeah, interesting. Uh, sounds very interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the graphics, like oh, okay, like each individual little animation has a substantial amount of detail and stuff like that. So like it feels good, even though it's like more of a retro style. Uh, it looks good. So. Uh, I will go ahead and check that out. Nice. Um, one thing I did want to mention, you know, we have the the game passes and and what is it, PlayStation Plus or what what have you. Um, those yeah. games, you know, frequently drop new titles and stuff like that. But coming across information is in regards to like the exact dates, a little more difficult. But um, you know, a few for Xbox Game Pass are popping up this week if you have that subscription, which. I think both, you know, both the subscription services for both console services are, are actually pretty good. I think by this point, it's like, you know, you can argue as to which one you like more, but I think they're both kind of a, a pretty good deal. So um, I don't have anything for PlayStation this week, but for Xbox, we have uh, on PC and console, you're getting Cooking Sim, um, which, I mean, you know, you don't have to be in, you know, in the, in the, in the simulators in general to get some fun out of Cooking Sim. Uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands is also coming to PC and console. Uh, I don't know if you ever played Wildlands, did you? I, I can't remember if I did. I did play one of the uh, Ghost Recon games where you... Uh, it's like set in a desert environment. I don't know if... I forget which one's And well, it's completely Wildlands. open world. Um, it, it, I don't know if it was mountains or like mountainous jungle. I, I forget which one it was that I played, but I'm, I know I have Wildlands and I didn't really dig it just because... Uh, the map traversal on it wasn't wasn't very satisfying for me personally. You know what I mean? Yeah, the the one that I played um, had a big desert on one side of the map, and it did have some like jungly eras and or areas, and it, there was mountains and stuff. But um, the map and traversing was pretty difficult unless you like magically found a like a helicopter or something yeah, to get into. I forget. I, yeah. I, it may have been the same game we're talking about here. It was that type where you would like run across a helicopter and that'd be a way of getting around. Which I mean, if that's your playstyle, it might be you know worth worth checking out because it will be included on the game pass. Uh, another good one. Uh, this is a brand new title, and if you're into uh, Two Point Hospital, which is a fun um, you know hospital sim game, it's kind of you know it's very 
satirical and, and, and kind of one of those wonky type of games. But uh, they did come out with Two Point Campus, which is basic premise carried over to college campus and how goofy that can be. And uh, it looks fairly interesting. I know my wife is uh, very interested in getting her hands on that one. Uh, Turbo Golf Racing is also dropping. That's basically, I mean, they're taking Rocket League and it's a, making a golf game out of it. So that's basically that. Uh, as far as PC exclusives for the Game Pass, you're getting Expeditions Rome, Offworld Trading Company, and Shenzhen IO. Um, another, I mean, I, I wanted to drop a reminder, actually. I have it here as a note, Spider-Man Remastered. Uh, that PC release drops on August 12th. So if you've been waiting for that or if you want to check out the new remastered version of that game, uh, is I'm this the Spider-Man game that initially came out on PS4? Yes, PS, this is the PS3? PS exclusive. I mean, we're years later. You have the Miles Morales, which I consider a DLC. I kind of joked about that on Twitter. But that's a standalone game, which had some slightly better graphics, and it was focused on Miles. Um, and then now they're they're going to be making Spider-Man 2, which is going to be featuring Venom and, I, I believe, uh, Kraven. So, okay. Um, yeah, it's this is kind of a big deal if, if you're... If you're not a PlayStation player and you've been wanting to play those Spider-Man games, uh, I have. You know, I've, I I don't have PlayStation myself. I know you have PlayStation. I have Xbox, um, but you know, I borrowed the the sister-in-law's uh, PlayStation just so I can catch up because I've played every single Spider-Man game because to me they're like the best games you can buy. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't have a PlayStation anymore, but I did mm. when this this game first came out, and I remember like getting it and playing all the way through as quickly as I could because of how good it was. Ooh, yeah. I got a hundred percent of the main, the main section of the game. And then I got a certain chunk through the, I believe I may have even 100% of the, well, the first add on mission. Cause they have like series of missions that they went and added on. And each one has their own percentage scale of progression. And uh, I was trucking through. Um, I, I gave the PlayStation back, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not some heathen. I'm not going to hold on to it for months. Um, but you know, I truly enjoyed the the amount of time I, I got out of it, and I actually had the PlayStation back because she got a PS5, and um, you know, I just haven't hopped back in and, and given it a shot. Uh, I don't want to restart, so that's <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm, I'm. It's like if I am going to restart, then I'd rather be on on the PC Steam version, which is a heavy consideration on my part. Yeah. Um, and I and something that I mentioned to you and throughout the week, and you said you're not really interested in the playtest for it. Uh, but Warhammer 40k Darktide uh, playtest sign-up for that has gone live. I'm not sure if it's still active right now, um, but if you head on over to darktide.live, uh, you, uh, you can check out the new title that Games Workshop is working on, uh, which is somewhat like a wave-based zombies, you know, first-person shooter. Uh, they've had footage at, at previous game shows and stuff like that. Uh, it looked very good you're into that that type of of, of play style it's kind of like right up your alley you know zombies is its own genre by this point um and then if you're a warhammer fan it's like you know perfect so uh we'll have the link to that in the description below but all you gotta do is go to darktide.live and uh, basically it'll have you fill out your email address and then they will send you a link to fill out a small survey which you know is asking pretty detailed information in, in regards to like your processor your graphics card uh, your RAM, you know, how many gigs you have, I believe, and uh, internet connection, that type of thing. Because they're actually trying to make the game good, and they're wanting people that are probably going to be willing to give a little more information rather than just play it and, and enjoy it, you know what I mean, like it's a beta. So this is a play test. This is a bit different. Uh, so if you're into that type of stuff and you got the free time right now, you know, maybe head on over and, and give, that, uh, give that a look. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember doing some playtesting for Battlefield Five when they were doing some um, low count or low player count add-ons, mm-hmm. um, and they were trying to do a competition mode. And I remember all the questions that they had me do. It's pretty in depth, and I mean, they they ask about every single thing about your computer, if you've play tested any other games before, and then at the end you fill out a survey and. Um, give them as much information about the, the play experience as you can. So when you do a play test, especially something like this, there's more involved than just playing like a, mm-hmm. a beta a couple months before the initial uh, release. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're supposed to talk about it. Can we talk about it? We're, we're the PlayStation play testers. Oh, no, the EA play testers. Uh, I know in there you're not like, it's like, don't talk about this, don't talk about that and all that. But You, you can talk about it after the, whatever thing has been released yeah so i mean you can you can be a part of that type of community if you're more in-depth and want to be you know you want to get your 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 hands dirty and get in there and actually try to find bugs and and help them uh, you can take more of a serious approach with these types of opportunities um but don't expect it to be just like oh i got to play the beta oh well when's the real game coming out like no it's gonna be it's gonna be you know you're gonna have might even have like a specific time window you know, maybe on like on August 23rd, between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. is your window to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's that's how they're going to do it. It's not this open, you know, just open season, have fun, stream it. It's, that's not what it is. But, uh, you know, if you want to get involved, uh, good opportunity here. Um, but let's uh, go ahead and move on to the segments here. And uh, I think I'm going to open it up here since we have, you know, the two topics and then we have the roundup. And then we're going to kind of end it there. Uh, a heavy roundup. But uh, a couple bigger stories. First off, a completed Batgirl film gets scrapped and WB becomes Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've heard the news. I, I mean, <laughs> you told me about it stuff, uh, I think, was it Thursday, then Friday when that stuff was really coming out? Yeah. Um, I haven't really dug into it because I knew you'd be wanting to talk about it today. Yeah. And you'd want to present the information. So, I mean, uh I don't know if I want to want to talk about it. You know what I mean? But at oh, the same we time, it's, like, it. it's the biggest. It's the biggest news of the week for sure. So you gotta you gotta hit on it. I, well, I mean, this might be here. the biggest news of the month. May very well be. But, um, it's, I mean, we're still early on in the month, but still, like, this is big stuff coming out. Yeah, and this is. I mean, I wrote a blurb here. It's it's not small. <laughs> It'll be a little stinted. I'll, I'll read it out, but. Uh, you know, there's quite a bit that, that, that happened throughout the week. I mean, first it started with one thing, and then it went into the next. Um, so, you know, I'll go ahead and read this. Uh, the DC fan base suffered another blow last week as Warner Brothers announced that they would be completely scrapping a somewhat major project revolving around the character Batgirl. With a tumultuous production of $70 million budget, Warner Brothers has decided to make an unprecedented move in completely ditching a fully completed film. A comment made by a source to the New York Post stated, They think an unspeakable Batgirl is going to be irredeemable after the film had recently been undergoing test screenings. The article then goes on to describe the state of the DCEU, mentioning a shaky ground with Ezra Miller, the clear neglect of the film at the San Diego Comic-Con, and speculation around the potential cost-cutting measures that will take place in production uh, in the upcoming years. Shortly after the cat was out of the bag, Warner Brothers Discovery made this statement. The decision to not release Batgirl reflects our leadership strategic shift as it relates to the DC Universe and HBO Max. 
Leslie Grace is an incredible, talented actor, and this decision is not a reflection of her performance. We are incredibly grateful to the filmmakers of Batgirl and Scoob 2 Holiday Hunt and their respective casts, and we hope to collaborate with everyone again in the near future. I have the link just in this little blurb, too. We'll go ahead and post that in the description below. But continuing. Following the news of Batgirl being canceled, the newly formed Warner Brothers Discovery announced the cancellation of, like I mentioned, Scoob 2, which is an animated film, uh, and then prepped for an investor meeting where fans of multiple properties waited to hear the fate of their beloved franchises. At the meeting, new CEO David Zaslav stated that they would be revamping the company in a manner that would focus on quality. With DC, cryptic comments referring to a reset and the focus on quality was the main drive. As he mentioned, they would be reforming DC as an individual studio, much like Iger did with Disney and Marvel. The setting up of a team to lay out a solid 10-year plan for the future of the DC film franchise. The reaction to the news was bizarre. <laughs> this is my personal blurb. I might have gone a little too, <laughs> too personal, but uh, the, re the reaction to the news was bizarre. Just before the meeting, Zack Snyder fans were in a frenzy. Uh, coming to terms with the new management and the potential end of their beloved Snyderverse. Uh, but as time went on, the news leaked out, and the reception to the statements were a mess as they worked to reassure their fellow fans that these announcements weren't denouncing the previous approach to the franchise, but somehow reinforcing their belief that not only would Snyder be brought back, but would somehow be, one of the, be the one spearheading the entire DC studio. Shortly after, the opinions and assumptions were echoed so much that Snyder community accepted it as truth, essentially. Uh, the following day, <laughs> a, a sudden influx of the hashtag release the Ayer cut was seen uh, being plastered across Twitter with what seems to be another attempt at harassing or kind of strong-arming Warner Brothers' discovery into delivering content that they don't feel comfortable releasing. As to whether or not this management will play ball is still in the air. So that's the, uh, the little section that I wrote up on that, uh, whether or not any developments have happened today. I actually haven't checked. I do apologize. But, uh, yeah, just an interesting week. I mean, I want to start off by talking about the fact that them scrapping a $70 million movie. That was 100% complete. What do you think? Uh, that's gutsy. Um, that's a lot. I mean, uh, if, they, if they were doing testing and they felt it was going to be ir irredeemable to release it, that means it's whatever their vision moving forward is, is that movie does not align with that. Yeah. And it was worth it to them to show the commitment to what they are getting ready to do mm -hmm. by scrapping that. True. Um, uh, I don't know what they meant by move. unspeakable Batgirl is going to be irredeemable. I copied and pasted that because it read weird. I mean, I don't know anything about the yeah. character in the show. Like, does she, is she mute? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but they, they, they basically had, you know, this idea that it just wasn't good enough to, to cut it as their first go. Um, it should also be noted something that I didn't mark in here. I believe they got like $25 million of that back by ditching the film due to like insurance trickery. Uh, so there was a strategic aspect of making this move where if they got rid of it and didn't do anything with it, they would receive a chunk of the money back um, and they wouldn't be at such a loss. Well, uh, the, you also have to take account that they don't have to worry about um, digitizing it in mass or mm -hmm. getting in analog copies. So they don't have to worry about, uh, well, advertising for yeah. the movie. They don't have to worry about getting copies of the movie to movie theaters and all of the costs associated with releasing a movie like that. Yeah. So, I mean, 
they're they're ultimately saving money yeah. by by scrapping seventy million dollars. They're ultimately saving money, especially like I said. If, I think it's an extremely bold move. But if they are dedicated, which it's, I mean, this is a a dedication statement. I feel yeah. that they are dedicated to releasing quality films. Yeah, and and he they they went on to have the investor meeting where uh, Zaslav. Um, he got in there and he was talking about, you know, how they're just not going to release a movie unless they feel that it meets their standards of quality and that, you know, um, it's going to require a kind of a reforming of, of how this whole thing is approached um, and and how they're going to tackle these films and plan them out ahead of time. And that's really the issue with Warner Brothers and how they treated the, the DC brand the entire time. Like. Warner Brothers, I mean, I know they've been attached to DC for a, a, a really good chunk of time. You know what I mean? It's not, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the nineties. Like they picked them up and shit, you know, it was, it wasn't, it's a bit. So, you know, when you, when you have that company in charge uh, and they're, they're making the decisions they've made, I mean, they, it's essentially like a, I don't know, 70% failure rate by this point, you know, like maybe 30, 20% of the films in this, in the, comic book movie universe type of genre you know is actually a land you know it's like yeah it's not it's not a, a, a high batting average when you know and, and i know it, it frustrates some people but when you compare it to mcu which is what these companies are trying to mimic so they are going to be the comparison you know period um you know when you look at them they're delivering more close you know closer to the opposite where it's 70 30 or 80 20 um, I think we've moved maybe from 80-20 closer to 70-30 recently with Phase 4. Um, but there's still that consistency, that 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 knowing. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to know what Fahey and them are thinking because they know that they have things planned out. And I think that's what Warner Brothers looks at now. Discovery, I should say. Um, they see this as, you know, from outsiders. It's like this was just like throwing darts at a dartboard you know and like the darts were different weights <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, there's just no consistency whatsoever it's like yeah you hit the bullseye a couple times but you missed the board nine times you know like geez so it's like so like what are you dealing with you know when you come into this type of situation and you have um you know these properties that should be making more than what they're making like let's let's be real iron man on a global scale is and was for sure far less recognizable than either batman or superman like period everybody on the planet it's like mickey mouse you know people in countries that don't have tv like for some reason know like what mickey mouse is just because you know through the through the ether of society you know <laughs> that's what you have with with superman you don't have that with with captain america you don't have that with the scarlet witch you know these are more obscure less less adorned characters in the past you know prior to the mcu uh, that are being made better because of how they're handling them that is different than like how wb tried to come into the landscape you know what i mean like they came in super super dodgy they were just like oh uh yeah Joel Schumacher. i mean yeah it's like well maybe if we give it to nolan you know he'll he'll do it and then he did it and then Nolan didn't want anything to do with it anymore because he had a very, very structured plan on three films. If he if he was going to make three, it was going to be three and no more. Um, so they had to look for another director because up until then, 
pretty much everything they had done um, since Batman Returns was a failure. So it's like they started looking for directors, and then, you know, you get the whole Snyder deal, which, I mean, 300 is a good movie. It looks good. Um, like we, like I talked about in previous episodes, like Watchmen is solid. Um, but it, it's different when you're handling a, a variety of different inspirations, artists in the past, and what their representation of these characters are, you know, and, like, you can't just be like, you know, I'm going to make them all feel the same. You know, that's not how it works. So... Well, and with that, like, I think their their answer was having a singular director and having the same feel through all the movies. Which, I mean, you don't get the same feel through all the MCU movies, mm-hmm. but you have the same arc. Yeah. You have the overarching arc going through. And, I mean, that's going back to Kevin Feige and the, the plan that Marvel has created. And, I mean... I was joking with you or um, when you t- uh, sent me the information about they're they're creating a 10-year plan. And I was like, oh, that's like, what, 16 years too late? Yeah. Like, yeah, they should have been doing that when Marvel was doing that. Like, that should have been a red flag to them. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're doing that. We should do that, too. And they completely dropped the ball. And I had mentioned that to you, too. When when we were sitting in that room and Fahey was telling us about the MCU and, like, what it meant it was like hard to believe initially because it was like you're looking in your mind you're trying to rationalize because this is not this is not how this works you know what i mean a company just doesn't give you your wish <laughs> it's gonna be bad one way or another you know what i mean like it might be good in one aspect and then terrible in the other like super hokey acting but really good graphics or vice versa you know what i mean but mm-hmm. um with marvel you know we were like eh Avengers are pretty cool, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I could see a Captain America movie. Like, that'd be pretty sick, you know? While at the same time, you're like, what I would really want to see is Justice League. You know what I mean? Like, pretty much everybody in that that room at that time was just like, you know, given, obviously, I'm not talking for everybody. People have their preferences, you know? I have a a little blurb about that later. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like Batman, Superman, those are like a different caliber of superhero you know what i mean like compared to any of the characters in marvel you know you're getting like it's it's with with warner brothers or dc i should say it's like quality over quantity in terms of like the characters you're able to work with but with the stories that are made with those characters are like super super good when on in my personal opinion a marvel side it's 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 a little bit more balanced in the sense where it's like they have an abundance of characters they can work with but they also have decent writing to work with as well. You know what I mean? And as yeah. long as they choose the right people, then they can get things done. And I think just inherently Marvel is set up a little bit better for that transition to an overall film universe because it lends to characters that you could you can read individual comics and see how goofy or exaggerated or different they are. Um, and then on film see how they handle that 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 juxtaposition when you bring them together like i'm very interested in seeing how they bring deadpool into that whole world uh, and what they're going to do with it and stuff like that but oh i um, i have i have a hope for deadpool (laughs) yeah i mean they've already you know they they've never said otherwise in regards to him being an r when it comes to disney we've already talked about you know them lifting up the floodgates a bit yeah the other properties what i'm talking about is like whenever they introduce deadpool like we're gonna see him like in the old 
like in the X-Men universe. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is looking yoked right now. So, I mean, he could pull it off. Oh, oh yeah. But what I'm saying is, is like, we're going to see him over in the X-Men universe and like a portal will, like one of those uh, Doctor Strange portals will open from <laughs> a, like kind of randomly and he'll yeah. just walk through and be like, oh, look at here. Yeah. I, I mean, must be where the Avengers are, or something you, you like that. Different, you have different versions of Deadpool, you know, throughout the the history. Was it Task Force X? I think he was on. I don't quote yeah, me. Yeah, I, I mean, gray and black always... with the red eyes. Like, there's some cool stuff they can do. Like, just of visuals to mix it up a bit. You know what I mean? But, to where it fits. A yeah. Little. But but you know what I mean? Like, there 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 is going to be some breaking. There has to be breaking of the fourth wall when, like, he's being introduced. Like where he's. I mean, I think one of the best mo- or lines from the Deadpool movies, and when he, he's like walking through the um, the X Men like yeah, big yeah, school, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, I guess Fox couldn't afford any other X Men." <laughs> it's yeah. just like the whole the, br- yes. the breaking of the fourth wall is very much uh, that character. Yeah, um, and then you know the cameo in that in that episode too, with them all there, and they like close the window or they close the door real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, hilarious movies. I think the second one was a little, like, whatever, but the first one was solid because it was fresh. But, yeah, moving on, you know, um, we I mentioned it. You know, you got Warner Brothers and Discovery merging. Um, God, I remember Time Warner. Remember that when Time, yeah. uh, like, bought Warner Brothers or Vice, I don't know. Uh, and then you had Time Warner AOL. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> I think, you know... Uh, <laughs> It's like you have HBO, right? And you have HBO Max. But I think the Max is because there was once either like a channel or a streaming service or something that was called Max. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I didn't verify whether or not that was the reason why they called it HBO Max. But it's like Warner Brothers has been involved with so many different types of acquisitions and little miniature acquisitions. Um, the thing with Discovery which they have their own streaming platform, Discovery Plus, which, uh, you know, um, my wife watches a lot. I'm, I'm, I forget what's on it. It's like Kardashians or, or Dr. Pole or something like that. I forget. But, um, you know, it's got some solid content on it. You know, we got a number of the, the streaming platforms, and it's something that we open up relatively frequently to watch something on one way or the other. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. uh, Discovery, you know, I'm not... Not, I'm not too versed in, in their history, but, you know, I did hear some murmurs about that um, Zaslav, David Zaslav, the new CEO, <clears throat> and how, you know, how he ran Discovery originally. Um, not not kind words, not the kindest words that I heard, um, but not really anything, like, evil, you know what I mean? Like, I heard a lot yeah. of, like, uh, budgetary focus, um I know that at one point he had moved a location and somebody online was, was like bitching about, you know, how them moving to a different state, like lost their city, a bunch of jobs and small businesses shut down because they didn't have those people to accommodate. And, you know, the, the trickle down effect of, of business decisions on a larger scale, but I really can't determine whether or not this is like a good, I couldn't get a read. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, if, if, you know, if, I don't know, Joss Whedon were to trot out there and be like, I'm in charge of the DC. <laughs> it's like, oh, dear, sweet Jesus. You would know that that would be bad. You know what I mean? But like this guy, he seems more of a business type and money focused, budget focused. Um, you know, and Discovery itself isn't pumping out 
HBO level content. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a lot of shows and reality stuff and, and things like that. So yeah. I know that they want to divide it and they want the television and smaller, I think call like soft content or hard content. I forget how they phrased it. I saw an image that they had on their presentation where they were defining the two, the two products and mm-hmm. where would be what or what would be where, you know what I mean? So uh, they do plan on, on dividing those two or at the very least, like they've showed on screen what their two their two properties have that are different from one another. You know what I mean? Because they're talking to investors, people. It's like, look at the wide array of, of content that we cover type of type of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, going back when Bob Iger first got to, to be CEO of Disney, he was money focused. And ultimately what you need to do, especially in a company that your whole thing is providing a service or entertainment to people, you need to be providing quality entertainment in order to make money. So I think that's where the, a lot of the overtones and the, the press statements and all of the investor talks are about that. I mean, I think you and I both know that if we were, if we were left to do something like this presentation, that would be something we would say as well. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. sounds like talking head type stuff to me. It does. You can't pull too much information out that like, well, no, duh, well, no. you're going to focus on money. You're going to try to like limit your spending. You know, you know, you're, you know, a lot of the things that happened were kind of like obvious. It's like, yeah, it's like they just spent a ton of money. They need to make it back without spending too much. Um, yeah, but you, you get what I'm saying, though. Like, if he truly is budget oriented, it's going to like. It's all about investing the money in whatever product you're coming out with. So if it's a movie or a TV show, having the best bang for the buck, and you do that by making sure that the, it's quality. So you it can sell yeah so to my thing and and you know we'll get into it with the the snyderverse stuff and and all that stuff um like i said it was very bizarre to like watch because i'm scrolling through here and i'm watching the progression you know what i mean from like a a third person perspective i'm I'm pulled back and and i'm just kind of sitting there and just just watching how the train of thought rolls because you have one person that will take some information and then you have another person that'll take that information and then proclaim it as fact. Uh, and then you have like a series of people and we discussed this, a, a series of people that then latch onto that self-proclaimed fact, And then it becomes a source. Um, there was, it was like the, it was faster. It was like whiplash, dude. It was going so fast. It, and I, I'd mentioned it previously with like, um, you know how they were releasing information i think it was like comic con and stuff like that um you know how these how these stories kind of form and and how hard it is to track but this was like shared like delirium you know what i mean like these they were they were perpetuating their own facts and then and then using it to kind of reinforce their own beliefs you know what i mean and uh it was happening on such a fast scale that it was it was so hard to follow because it was like people jumped to calling things facts so fast that i had i had i spent more time looking for sources for what they were saying and it's like okay it's not a fact it was literally just like the what he said you know 15 20 minutes ago 30 minutes ago on stage but they're just taking like more out of this than they need to be you know what i mean so it's like they they example i think it was like if you go to hbo max or, or if you go to their website 
uh, it had like an animation for some of their properties and one of them was DC and it showed Ray Fisher and it showed Ben Affleck as Batman and, and Henry Cavill as Superman and uh, Gal Gadot and blah, blah, blah. And it's like this confirms that they're going to be sticking with the original DC and that this is going to be how it's going to be. And they're going to bring back Snyder and all this. It's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? Like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it means nothing. See, I, I, I kind of, I, I mean, I feel for these people. Because I mean, I'm I'm passionate about Star Wars and everything like that. And, I mean, if you get attached to a person or a a thing, though, like that, that gets really dangerous. Because you are going to find evidence, and you're going to find what you want out of thin air. Yeah. And and, and it's because you are desperately hoping and clinging for whatever you want to come true. And unfortunately, uh, I mean, from everything that's been stated, it sounds like the DC or the, the Snyderverse is coming to an end. They're planning to build a team, right, of like a handful of people um, because I, I think they kind of understand that I'm not saying that like Kevin Fahey is like some brainchild and he knows like how all this would go because he's, he's made some stupid mistakes. Uh, and some stupid decisions that I think your t- like typical MCU fan would just be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like he just he knows he has a good idea. He knows what will piss people off if he goes too far. Um, but he is kind of like throttling that line a little bit. Um, but for the most part, he gives in and he kind of resorts to what he knows people are gonna like. Um, and they, I don't think I think that they they know that they run the risk. Of, of pissing people off and, and prolonging the, the agony if they keep trying to find a singular director to helm uh, the entire, like, feeling, you know? And I had mentioned it in our DC uh, talk, um, our catch-up episode. Um, you're supposed to get dramatically different vibes from these characters in DC. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to. With Marvel, it's different. With Marvel... You know, like New York feels like you know New York. You know what I mean. But Metropolis and 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 Gotham are supposed to be dramatically different. You're supposed to feel something different when you are in those two different environments. Like, you know, like they talk about, you know, how Gotham looks in the new movies and which one's better and yada yada. It's like I watch the new, you know, the Zack Snyder films and stuff like that, and it just looks like a downtown big city, just like anything else. Like it looks like Vancouver or wherever they decided to film it. You know, it like the one that felt really good was Batman Begins. Uh, they're in the they're in the slums and and it's just so grimy and wet and nasty. You know what I mean? Um, that it's just a, a, a complete difference from downtown Metropolis or the bad parts of Metropolis. <laughs> it's just you don't get that. They're two they're two different things. So when you see Superman in Gotham, it's supposed to feel weird. You know what I mean? But in the sense that it's like he stands out because he gives off a different vibe in this vi- environment. Um, and when I see I mean I can't even tell when Superman's in Gotham or if he's in a rainy metropolis. You know what I mean? Like I can't I can't even tell in those films unless I like have to like think about it. But when you when you sit down and think about DC and how they present these characters, they have dramatically different vibes. Uh, Green Lantern, you know what I mean? Like completely different vibes. It's so different. 
and you're supposed to embrace that. So I'm hoping that they choose a team of people that understand that the differences between the characters and how they feel should be their strength and not their weakness. And that by trying to to devalue the 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 feeling of of where these characters come from and how and what they're supposed to represent and what you're supposed to feel by reading and consuming them, you know, uh, it should be okay to 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 vary it up and still be able to bring them together. Um, so I don't know. There was a, a big big deal with with the whole like Snyderverse and and all that, but I just. I'm not getting involved. <laughs> I made a couple comments on our on our our Twitter, but uh, I'm I'm certainly going to keep my my nose out of that. But I definitely sit back and I, I absorb kind of where their their brains at because you know, like I said, I follow the main topics like DC, Marvel, uh, Snyder, um, you know that type of thing, and it just pops up with their conversations and their thoughts, and they're so weird. <laughs> the thoughts are so <laughs> weird so weird and like it's kind of like weird like scary weird you know what i mean like yeah i feel bad for him but like the way that people like rally behind it is kind of scary uh, and i think that's what warner brothers was talking about and that's why i mentioned at the end is i don't know if this new management's gonna play ball with that shit <laughs> i mean i hope they don't because it, it's relatively a small portion of the fan base and if they are catering to that i mean that's ultimately unhealthy for the franchise yeah well, I mean, if they're if they're they're pigeonholed into into thinking and acting and, and reacting a certain way by a fan base that is incredibly demanding and you know dare I say toxic at times, um, volatile for sure. It's it's not good for business, and these are business people. So it's like you're not you're not dealing with uh, a lived-in Warner Brothers now. You're you're dealing with a new batch, and the reception that they get from the these communities. Uh, coming into their position is going to dictate how they react. And if they, if they don't find it very funny that they're being told what to do with their X amount of millions of dollars investment, um, you know, you might not just get no Snyder. Like you might get spite. You know what I mean? Like you might get, yep. you might get like pure being cast out. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I, I've never seen a company come in and just start tossing out movies like that. Like that's insane. So uh, keep that in mind, everybody out there, when you're voicing your opinions about your favorite properties. Um, some of these companies, they might, they might be in a position where, where you know, what you say and what you do is a little bit more reflective of where they're going to go. You know what I mean? Uh, and maybe not in the way that you, you'd prefer. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, and last thing here, you know, the biggest tragedy of this all, uh, Scoob 2, ha Halloween Haunt. That's, that's <laughs> canceled. Dude. Yeah, I know. It's heartbreaking. I mean, it's, that's bullshit. <laughs> well, it's probably a little bit different from, you know, whatever Scoob 2 cost to uh, 70 or 90 million. I couldn't even tell. 70 or 90 million dollar uh, backroll film. I think seventy million is what they're actually losing, and ninety million is what they actually put into it. That might and, be the case, and that they're saving like twenty million by. Well, not I heard, it I whatever. heard the seventy million first, and then I heard the ninety million, and then I heard the news about um, the like insurance break. Uh, and one of the articles that I I read about that, I did see the ninety million. Um, I haven't seen the 70 million, so I'm guessing that's what you're like reporting is 
that yeah. it's after the insurance break and yeah no 70 million was the on. first i think the original source of the leak stated it was 70 million uh and then it kind of just grew from there at one point i saw somebody like mentioned 120 million so uh, i don't even know but regardless that's a lot that's of money. a lot but let's 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 think about that for a second where does that go it's too expensive for an hbo max and it's too cheap for the movie theaters so what was it you know what i mean like how bad was this thing like because if people went in there expecting to watch a, a, a theatrical movie you know this is the introduction of batgirl into the dceu uh and they got this this hbo max crap <laughs> you know what i mean like was it that bad or well like, i mean vice versa if it was a 90 million dollar production that is in the territory of a theatrical release uh one that is very tight on the budget however it's still well within the realm um if it was 50 million dollars or or i mean even still like 90 million dollars is an expensive like tv movie or hbo movie or whatever um but still like it's it is in that weird like limbo yeah. zone if you will so that was my thing it's like now i'm kind of curious i want to see it yeah. see how bad it is and i want it to come back and i don't want it to make money but i want to see it see how bad it was i'm curious it'll leak at some point it has to if it if it's completed and they have test screeners of it it'll come out eventually yeah it's just know. a matter of time i just think we should start you know hashtag release scoop too that's that's my <laughs> suggestion so uh next on the docket yeah so uh this week um another trailer for the andor series released and with it they i mean they had three different magazines do cover like do cover stories for andor so a lot of information dropped this week i'm just gonna i have a list of stuff then um there are there's a person who broke their nda about um the initial screeners that got sent out so i have a little blurb disney? from them oh my god he's probably locked in like the cells underneath disney world <laughs> the the person obviously was very um i mean they used a burner account of some sort and um anyways they so there is some uh description at the end that i'll i'll read off um anyway so i'm gonna go through this information that we can discuss it is the first Star Wars show of the Disney Plus era to not use the volume. It's relying on traditional uh, blue and green screen and traditional sets. It will only run for two seasons. And the last scene of the show in the 24th episode will walk the audience directly into Rogue One. And um, so that's going to be like a uh, pretty much a seamless transition to Rogue One. Um, they're already planning out season two and we'll be filming it in November or the starting of filming will begin in November. The whole show is being described as politically charged with overtones from real political issues, mm -hmm. uh, being in the show. The, there's going to be a three episode premiere on September 21st, which was delayed from August 18th. Um, which I is the that. same. I saw yeah. that heartbreaking, heartbreaking, truly. Yeah, well, that's the same release date as She-Hulk, so they did it to not interfere with She-Hulk, which, I mean... Uh, I'm not sure how much that overlaps. It, it's it's true. Uh, I mean... It's eyes, real... for sure, and if it's your own platform, you don't want to, like, undercut yourself, for sure. But Yeah, so I, I, I get it. It's still sad. I, I'm much looking forward to Andor than I am She-Hulk. Me too. She <laughs> Me too. Um, 
which is weird too because I don't mind She Hulk. I was like, that'd be pretty dope to be honest. It was like a new Hulk. And yeah. It's like, eh, whatever. But Andor looks gritty. Yes. Um, so season, so we have some information on like where this is actually going to be placed timeline wise. So season will cover, or season one is going to cover a full year of Cassian's life. And that is going to be five years before Rogue One takes place. Season two will jump in between different events over the course of the next four years leading into Rogue One. Each three episodes will have its own arc with a single director for each arc. So it'll have like basically a mini movie every three episodes, uh, which I think is really intriguing um, to keep. Typically they go full season and then we'll have one or so of a three episode arc. You know what I mean? That's typically like how they handle TV shows, but them doing it every three. Is that what you mean? Like every three? Yep. Ooh. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of interesting that they're doing it that way for multiple reasons, but there's 12 episodes per season, so there'll be 24 episodes in total. They have outright said that there's going to be a very large spy element, and the ISB, or the Imperial Security Bureau, is going to be heavily involved, which will be fun to see them um, outside of, I think, Rebels is the only place we've really seen them. I mean, we see, like, on the Death Star in New Hope, like, a ISB uh, person, but we don't we don't know anything about it. But we Wait, see it a ISB? lot in Rebels. What is it? Uh, Imperial Security Bureau. It's basically like the CIA and uh, FBI of uh, the Empire. Do they just like look like officers with different insignia? Or? Well, okay, so yes, so um, ISB officers wear white, or traditionally they wear white uniforms and have different. Um, oh, badges. isn't that what's his name was in, in Rogue One? He he did wear white, but he was not ISB. No, God, I haven't seen that movie forever. Yeah, watch that. Um, Director Krennic is who yeah. you're thinking he of. Was a character in the first Battlefront game, wasn't he? Or was that a mod? I think it, I think he he was a playable character. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Um, and that had that like six shot pistol thing mm-hmm. that was pretty powerful. It was... I got some decent characters in that game. Yeah. All right. Continue. Um, anyway, so the ISB is going to play a big involvement in there, so it'll be fun to see them uh, be like the the sneaky bad guy or the like the stealthy bad guy. Yeah. So you think it's some spy action? I mean, that's really what this is going to have to be, right? Oh like yeah. Um, it's definitely going to be a spy film, and um, it sounds like it's going to be very character centric. Um, then K two S O will not be present at the start um Thank you, Jesus. and it may be for the whole first season that he won't show up hey, yep. nice. um <laughs> they did say we will see him and we will see how him and cassian first come into contact and how cassian deals with kt uh, k2so yeah. so that will be uh, a thing just we don't know when but it's not going to be at the first part yeah, my chick um, likes him. I don't. I don't like that character. I just hate the the snotty. You know, they're just trying to make because you know R two's got some sass. That's oh, R two has R2. a lot of sass. So they want every robot that you that they want you to love to have sass, and it's like, all right, man, whatever, dude. It's like I like C three PO too because he's a dork. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's like we got some variety here. Like they well, don't all have to be all sassy. Like, geez. With K two S, so a lot of the his his uh, spunkiness, if you will. 
comes from his reprogramming. Yeah. Because um, he was originally an Empire service droid. Yeah. Well, they got to so, have some type of, of reasoning for them to always make the same character. <laughs> I don't want to say same character. But you know what I mean? Like, they got to have different different personalities. Like, yeah. you know, what about a timid and and flustered ro- robot, you know? Like, a little bit more of, like, a, a C-3PO, but effective, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, they have those. Yeah, but you never see them. The ones that they want you to buy Legos for, which my chick has, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, you know, the one that always has some limelight and always has a personality that feels Watch more Rebels. human and stuff like that. Watch yeah. Rebels. Yeah, that's what everybody says. I know. It has it has everything that you're wanting. <laughs> All right, you got I'm more on the list? What? You got more on the list? I do. So next thing on my list is the, the last part before we just get into a discussion about this. Is So this is the initial screener reaction from a, um unnamed source. Um, this was posted on bestpinbulletin.net. Um, and I, this person originally reported or like put their stuff on reddit and a couple other places anyways i'm gonna go ahead and read this verbatim quote i've seen the first four episodes and it's the most serious grounded thing star wars has ever done it feels more like an english made espionage thriller than star wars it is totally unconcerned with giving you fan service moments and instead wants to delve into what it's like for bit players in this universe to wake up every morning and go about their day this is not a space opera it's more like a space drama it's slow deliberate complex for star wars and asks the viewer to do some work it actually humanizes roles that are traditionally cartoon evil in the star wars universe it's attempting to tell a grown-up story and i think it's a a lot of fans are going uh and this person thinks a lot of uh, fans are going to hate it. So um, then it, this person continues, both Gilroy's present. Uh, Gilroy is uh, Tony Gilroy, who's the writer. Mm. Um, anyways, I, I just like, want to insert that. <laughs> yeah. Like, who's Gilroy? Um, both Gilroy's presence is all over this thing. It's got that uh, cinema verite vibe that the core Bourne movies had going for them. Mm. Puts you in the world like you've never seen before. Whether the world can hold up to that level of scrutiny is up to debate, but it is fascinating. End quote. Hmm. So, I mean, it definitely sounds like it's going to be gritty. It's going to sound like a thriller, espionage. I mean, uh, and some of the other things. Um, there's a magazine article that basically said that we are not going to believe that Cassian was... It, willing and able to do what he does in Rogue One, like by sacrificing himself by how he's portrayed in the first season. I mean, you have to, because I yeah. I did not like that character in that movie. Dude. I remember that distinctly. I was like, I don't like this character. Like, I just don't. You yeah. know, like, just the vibe he gives off, the way he's, like, talking, like, body mannerisms, like, it's whatever, dude. And then at the yeah. end, it's like, alright, he sacrificed, I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. And- but. From what it sounds like, uh, I, I, I can't remember. Um, one of the things that they're aiming for is that when you see him in Rogue One in that very first scene, he's on that planet there, that city planet, and he finds that the leaker and gets that information and he kills him. You're like, we are meant to feel sad for him at that point. And 
truly understand that he's done things or unspeakable things in the name of the rebellion. So we're going to see that stuff. And I think that's going to be really fascinating to see. Yeah. I'll have to take it in with a, a fresh mind. I'll watch, I'll watch the film again before. Um, yeah. Had some decent shots in the film, but I remember the film had a different feel. It was definitely better than solo in my opinion, but it's definitely better than solo, but and it has its own vibes. And I, I don't, I know you don't like solo as much and, um, mm. but I mean, I like solo. It's okay. whatever it ended up as. I didn't dig. It felt, yeah, it felt then, like then that's not fine. fleshed out. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Whatever. Um, but with Rogue One, and I think this, it, we're really going to see. Like, we're I think we're going to see Cassian in a whole new light, mm-hmm. because of what we see in this show, and I'm I'm just really excited to see. Because I mean, they're they're really trying something different here, from what it sounds like that when we've ever seen in Star Wars, uh, from the animated shows or the TV shows that we do have in the movies, and this excites me. It's something yeah. new and fresh from what we haven't got before. Yeah, me with me. I mean, listening to it, it's it has an end, right? It has a definite end. Yeah, right? they have to stop. Um, it is with a character that you're already familiar with. They're still going to have some type of fan service. What was the guy's name? Like, I'm with the Force and the Force is with me or something. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> like, so... I mean, that was annoying to me. You know what I mean? Like, I just... I couldn't stand it. I was like, all right, Chief. But, um, you know, you're going to see him. You're going to see all these other characters from, from those films, right? I, I don't a, think we will. And if we do, I think we'll see it in season two. Season two, yeah. But I'm just saying that, you know... They're, they're going to have to pull on some type of member berries a little bit. I and mean, then the closer you get to the end of it, it's going to hit hard. It, you, I think you're right. And I think the member berries that we will see are going to pull from the animated series or Rebels way more than it will pull from the films. Yeah. And they were um, at the, the, the Empire was at that planet to harvest kyber crystals, weren't they? Uh, yes, the, so the one that you're talking about in Rogue One. Yeah. We, get some, we get some kyber crystal activity, then I'll be happy. You know, I don't got too much to look forward to in regards to giving me information because you and I have been over this and I'm different from you. I don't care. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I think the best time for the trilogies or the original trilogy was before um, episode one was made. You know what I mean? Like the best time to absorb that story was before it started to be expanded on uh, and having absorbed that story that way. Every time they add something, it like irks me because it's changing something that's been the way it was, and then they've just started adding on to it, and it's been like morphing into something bigger and lumpier. Um, so you know, like I don't really have too much in forms of expectations, um, and I definitely don't want to to be you know overwhelmed with with a bunch of appearances and stuff like that. I mean, obviously they can't do too much with. This very streamlined story, you know what I mean? Not too many people. I mean, if they really started bringing in so and so stop by and so and so stop by, you know what I mean? Like it'd be it'd be really weird with this story. So having an yep. end, having some limitations on who they can actually have appear, you know, because with Mando in the first season it was glorious. You know, you had very little referencing to outside this little contained story. Um, the second season they just went off the rails with that. Um, which is why I mean, think the first season is like beautiful cinema because <laughs> yeah. it's like its own Star Wars thing. It was so separate and yeah, a little bit of here and there, but 
really when it came down to it it was its own thing and um, this kind of sounds more in line with that like it's going to be its own standalone story and like I said if it's anything to do with that planet and the Empire coming and being involved with the kyber crystals and stuff like that you know any little bit of that information would be interesting but anything else I don't I really don't care I don't believe so yeah we'll see uh, interesting though it sounds very structured it mm-hmm. sounds like there's some type of confined story I guess they can tell there um, and is it you know with such limited wiggle room if they felt that they could produce something that's solid then you know whatever I'll give it a shot like I said yeah. I'll watch the film and, and get re-familiarized with that but uh, you know whatever we'll, we'll, we'll check it out we'll check it out yep alright so uh, you know, like I said, we, we didn't have too many big stories here. I do have a, a series of little small mentions like we normally do. Um, kind of, you know, checking out our Twitter, looking through that and seeing what, what I retweeted throughout the week or commented on or, or uh, you know, just kind of mentioned. Uh, we got a couple things. Winamp is back. You ever use Winamp? Um, I may have, but I don't remember. So back in the day when, you know, us internet hooligans were, uh, you know, doing our thing with uh, Kazaa and Napster and such. Uh, oh, I remember know. Napster. That was so sketch. <laughs> you had, you know, you had means of playing, much like VLC now, if you want to play, um, you know, audio or videos or whatever. You had your own little application to play your music, uh, much like iTunes or what have you. Uh, Winamp was customizable, had some sliders on it. You can adjust some things. And it was kind of just the all-around media player for for Windows back in the day. You know what I mean? Uh, Everybody had their own little designs. If you like cars, you had car themes. If you like comic books, somebody made a Marvel theme or a Spider-Man theme or a Batman theme, you know. Um, And it was just kind of fun, you know. And and at one point, kind of outgrew itself, you know what I mean? No real need for it. <clears throat> with the way that that you know uh, media is is transmitted now and and how people consume it and stuff like that it kind of got archaic 2013 i believe was the year where they uh, scrapped the original build and it was just unsupported from then on out um, and then in 2018 uh, somebody at dj egg was the individual somebody from the original team announced that they were going to revamp it and try to bring it back uh, the big issue with that was having to migrate it from Visual Studio 08 to Visual Studio 2019. Uh, and it seems like the primary issues with the whole progress of it was related to that. Uh, and if you do download it now, you still may have bugs and issues and stuff. But this is the first build that will work with your newer PCs a little more fluidly. Uh, you know, and if you want to kind of relive that that uh, that memory of, of having all your your music on your desktop and shuffling through it and uh, give it a shot we'll have the download uh, for that in the description below and uh, a link to the article as well pc gamer um next here <laughs> we're just talking about dc warner brothers discovery Zazlaf made the comment that you know they love black adam and shazam too they didn't mention flash uh, they they talked about their their issue with batgirl but they said they love the Black Adam and, and Shazam 2 films, and they feel they can make them even better. What do you think? I mean, does that mean they're going to postpone them, or they're just going to do some tweaking and editing? I, mean, I have no idea. What no. does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. But it's like, I don't know, it kind of like sent a chill down my spine a little bit when I read that. It's like I got 
like we were talking about solo you know it's like i got ron howard <laughs> flashback Coming in to like yeah. take over I mean, yeah it's like oh yeah, we that's... can make this better let's bump up the color let's do this and this and it's like you know oh god no oh god so yeah maybe maybe it's 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 something to do with post-production maybe it's something to do with editing uh, budget for cgi um you know that does like you said it it does lead me to believe that there's going to be some form of delay at some point and they're going to be like oh we're dumping an extra 50 million into each film with advancing our cgi technology and stuff like that you know what i mean but uh, that was something that he did say during that little meeting uh next on here stadia lives is not being shut down google is keeping stadia discuss <laughs> i mean i don't know anyone that has used stadia other than the initial like free trial that they did <laughs> yeah, i don't think anybody does i mean i don't know how it is a uh, a service that google can keep up for a long period of time and keeping any sort of profit yeah and with um the way that Google's track record is with, with these types of ideas, I mean, it has lasted a little bit longer than you would assume, right? Yeah. I mean, even by this point, if they did announce that they were going to be canceling it, it still feels longer than than your typical Apple Venture. What, what happened to Google Glass? Or not Apple Venture, but your Google Venture, you know? What happened to Google Glass? Is that thing, is that still a thing? I forgot that even existed. Like, I mean, that that was hyped really hot for, like, a couple months. Then it just disappeared. Yeah, and I can see how that technology can be integrated into things like motorcycle helmets. Um, but you it's know, not. It, eh, there are there is a company out there that made something. I forget if it was a scam or not, but uh, you know, uh, a HUD and a rear camera on the back of the helmet. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, but, I mean, have a cell but service. Do we see that? No. Do we, do we see that widespread? No. No. But I mean, it's you know, people would pay for it. You know what I mean? Like you have a. a fifteen hundred dollar helmet which i mean they already cost more than that sometimes <laughs> you yeah. know um you know you got a fifteen hundred dollar helmet that basically has a cell phone built into it to where it's all voice operated uh and a non-invasive hud that allows you to see clearly at all times with a rear camera you know i've seen that type of technology you would expect that that to be incorporated um but you know instead they're google over here trying to trying to make the next portable gaming console or whatever the hell <laughs> stadia is so bad it yeah. is atrocious uh the, the the lag on that is is bad i don't know how you can be expected to play any game let alone a multiplayer game like imagine 2k on that uh, no that 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 gives me nightmares it's right already there, like, like just thinking about 2k online period gives me nightmares just imagine that on a stadia oh my god That's yeah terrorist. i mean when when we played 2k together a couple of years ago and like we're it got a bit frustrating at times. Yeah. It was really frustrating because yeah. I mean, we'd get lag out of nowhere. There's so many, so many just swats I could have got on your ass, but I didn't because that lag. Yeah. It was always the lag. God damn it. Uh, next one here. Jared Leto has reportedly been cast as the hat box ghost in the upcoming reboot of Disney's Haunted Mansion. I'm kind of, I'm kind of stoked about a, a Haunted Mansion legit try. You know, I saw the, the Muppets Haunted Mansion <laughs> last year for Halloween. Um, you know, whatever. It's a Muppet movie. It's funny. Uh, but it's like, it got me thinking about the Haunted Mansion as a whole. Because it's very much a, a Disney entity. You know what I mean? You got your hitchhiking ghost and your hatbox uh, hat ghost and, and that type of thing. Um, 
but it's like it's something that's never been done justly. Uh, they had that '90s or early 2000s with Eddie Murphy, I believe it was. Don't oh, quote me on that. Yeah, that one. I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> yes. and that is a cluster of a movie. Yes, and you know, that's a really cool place. Like that's one of my favorite things at Disneyland. I mean, grew up near Disneyland my whole life. So I didn't respect it as much as your typical Disney fan would. But whenever I'd go and actually decided to care, uh, you know, that was one of the things that that always brought me joy was the Haunted Mansion. Uh, Now that I'm older and deprived of it, it's like, you know, I'd probably enjoy everything there a lot more. Um, But, you know, that's one of those things where it's like you could really make a cool movie, maybe even a show like a series about this. But, you know, we got that. We got that on the on the horizon. Uh, Next one here. Um, I did mention, you know, uh, previously HBO Max and Discovery Plus being merged, um, but you also have the streaming platforms. You have two separate streaming platforms, HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Uh, As to whether or not they're going to form them into one singular streaming platform or offer them separately, kind of like how Disney does with Hulu. I don't know if you know that. Hulu is owned by Disney, and that was kind of one of the big things as to whether or not they were going to carry it over, but uh, they didn't. I think they did that a little bit sloppier and i think that warner brothers with the way they laid it out it's like oh you would have a pretty solid defining line between those two platforms uh mm-hmm. it kind of feels a little hokey with hulu um but you do have that and then and then no word as to what you know what the name would be uh, what would you call that hbo discovery hbo max plus <laughs> hbo plus you know yeah, so, i don't know but i mean whatever they call it they're gonna have there's going to be some lingo for it, and it's going to be stupid. You're like, whatever. Get used to it. You're like, whatever they call it, I'm not buying it. I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, I do like HBO Max. HBO um, Max is solid. It is. Yeah. They they have a lot of good stuff on there. So it's like yeah. my wife and I like will rotate which streaming platforms we have. I mean, we have like Disney Plus and Hulu um, as our, like, our, our standards. Yeah. Um, then, like, we'll rotate between Netflix, Paramount Plus. Yeah, like, Netflix is hit or miss. All that type of stuff. For sure. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, we used to have Netflix all the time and then would have, you know, HBO or whatever when, like, something was when specifically coming out. When you know something, out. yeah, you're like, but, yeah. But, like, Netflix has just gone down in what they have in quality recently, so it's just mm-hmm. like, eh. Which you I do have something to say here in just a minute, actually. But yeah. uh, continuing on, Diablo Immortal player upset with Blizzard says he paid roughly one hundred thousand dollars on the game and has nobody to play with. Who can spend a hundred thousand dollars on a a game? Period. I yeah. mean, did, how much? What? How much money does this person have to have to blow a hundred thousand dollars on a video yeah. game? Yeah, I mean, I've watched this unfold as, you know, and basically it was a streamer, um, a lower-end streamer, I believe. Don't quote me. I'm not into the Diablo scene. Um, but I did watch his messages before and after. But Asmongold, um, if you know who Asmongold is, but he's an OG streamer on Twitch, uh, an absolute degenerate human being, but a very lovely gentleman. <laughs> he just he just lives in his own filth and wallows in his own filth, but he loves it, and uh his fans do too. Um, one of the highest viewed streamers on the platform with over 100,000 average, I believe, which is insane. Um, XQC, other other big streamer, gets roughly around the same, um, but a little bit less on a consistent basis. 
this guy plays like nothing but World of Warcraft and has like held over 70,000 viewers for like almost a decade. It's insane. I'd say almost a decade, but progressively in that, in that scale. Um, so a big name, but he, he brought light to this because it is a Blizzard product. Um, watched his video and this guy goes on to say, you know, he does it and making content with it. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you are, it's an investment to people who can actually make that money back and then some, uh, and not to mention it's a write-off, right? So, uh, you have those people. And like I said, this guy does have his streaming set up and apparently he has the money, but, uh, it left him in a position where he was so yoked that he had nobody to queue with. His, his, his like item level or his whatever, whatever it is in the game, his attack level in the game was so high. His gear set level was so, so high that there was literally nobody on his level. And as, as the gold said that he, he had wailed so hard that he had, she, he ascended into a different plane of wailing <laughs> to where nobody else on the planet was, was even close to how big of a whale this dude was. You know what I mean? So, uh, what do you I think? Mean, that's what do you think about that? What do you think about that whole concept of somebody uh, being being cast out because of them spending so much money? I mean, I, I'm not a fan of pay-to-win games in any sense of of the way. Oh, excuse me, Mister Star Wars, whatever the hell that game is. What was it? Which one? What was that game um, where you get the map and you get like your cards and like you level up like Palpy and shit and you have like attack levels what's that game that mobile game that star wars mobile game oh what is that you played that what is that i I did play that but what is it what's the name tell me the name Um, galaxy of heroes (laughs) i mean i I, it was kind of fun i enjoyed it but you love that game enough to where you dipped a little bit of money well yeah i mean so all it takes is for you to have a little bit of a weakness for that type of stuff and then have a reason to do it like even the slightest reason it might not be rationalized in the long run. Yeah, but, but here's know. the thing. Like, I'm I'm all for, like, if there's a game that I like that's free to play, I don't mind spending 5 or $10 to support the game development and continuing it to be in existence. I don't mind doing that. However, if you are spending so much money that you ascend to a different level where you can't play with anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty absurd. There, there's a problem. I think that's just a problem with the game as well, too, right? That's an issue yeah. with, and, with their queuing system. Yeah, and I am more for like microtransactions in a free-to-play game where you're getting crazy skins or things that do not relate to paying to win. Yeah, your soft, so, your soft items or whatever yeah, they refer yeah, to them yeah. as. Um, I mean... I think with the the Galaxy of Heroes or whatever it was certainly not that type of game. It was very pay to win, but at the same time you could get enjoyment out of it. And oh yeah, um, I mean some games I, don't even allow you that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean with Galaxy of Heroes, I maybe put thirty dollars in total into that game over the course of me playing it for like two years. I mm. played it really, really steadily for a long time, and I found enjoyment. But then. It just kept on adding more and more stuff where you you had to pay to like eat, keep up with who you were playing with, mm. and I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this. Yeah. If like I have to pay just to keep you up feel with bad. the competition, I, I yeah, just like I, I ain't doing that. You feel bad not helping the company if you sit there and you don't pay anything. At the same time, you know you do got to kind of keep up. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I'm one I'm one to be like, okay, so this game, if I were to buy it, right? If if I if I couldn't play games on my phone, this didn't exist, you know, it wasn't a possibility, but it was a game that was gonna be offered on PC, you know, or console, how much would I pay for it? Uh, so, I mean, if it's a game that's, like, worth no more than 20 bucks, then, like, that's pretty much, if I like the game and I'm willing to pay money, like, that's my cap. Yeah, so and it's that's like, exactly what my, my like, like thought process is. So, like, I think Fortnite, it's totally fine. I, I, will, I will never pay money for it because it's something I do not enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even if I didn't enjoy it and I was, like, getting into it a little bit, I'm like, yeah, I could drop five bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, be yeah. fine. Um, but these people that, that that go crazy with it, I mean, that's a different league. But well, like I said, the content even creator, a couple hundred dollars into a game, that's a different league. Yeah, I got buddies who do that shit just so fast. Like, I I I mention a, a a random server to them, like on Arma or something, or or Rust or something, you know. And then that server has unlocks or whatever built into it. Um, you know, I've been mentioning a, a particular Roblox server to you. Uh, that's a first-person shooter. It's different. I, we should talk about it at some point, but it's no big deal. But it's like, I hate Roblox. I hate the the way they monetize all that. But these guys were able to build this really good gun system into their their mechanics. Um, you know, I'm getting into that point where it's like I'm playing so much time. It's like uh, I might drop like five bucks for the dev team. You know, it's like I get some stuff, but at the same time, like this is really good. You know what I mean? Like it's it's solid it's free you know and if it was its own little game like i pay five bucks for this shit easy you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um i think it's it's relative to to your standards and, and kind of like what you would actually be willing uh to to invest into these smaller communities but when we're talking about diablo immortal dude you're a whale if you're doing that you know what i mean whales gotta feed <laughs> as as it's been put uh, and whales feed on impressing others and wanting the wanting to be on that same level from your peers. And if you have nobody to queue with, you know, he can't feed. <laughs> He's going to starve. That's really what it was. And this gentleman went and I, I believe he was mentioning how he was considering asking for a refund, which, I mean, could lead into a lawsuit, to be honest, the way that, that this whole thing sounds. Uh, that that amount of money is nothing to scoff at. Yeah. And if it gets down to it where he legitimately wasted his money based on 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 a misconception on how they they ankled this, then that's an issue. And I think Blizzard responded how they've like already started changing things and uh, they like immediately jumped on it. But he had done everything he needed to do prior to that. You know, he went through all the channels you or I would have gone through. He made like a forum post. He put in support tickets. Uh, I think he got somebody on the line at one point. Um, and it was always just like some bullshit. And he then he made the video. Asmongold watched it with like 120,000 people watching. And then it just spread like wildfire. And how that works online, you know, is that these people who are outraged by, by finding this out all collectively share their outrage at the same time. <laughs> When it's released like this, you know, I mean, when somebody watches it in front of an audience, um, 10%, 5%, 1% of that 100,000 people messaging Blizzard straight like a machine gun is enough to get their attention, and it did. Um, I didn't follow up on the story. I did see that he made a second video, and he mentioned how they reacted and how they're working with it, and they changed some things and this and that. 
Um, but you know, he commented on how he was kind of bummed out and just, you know, at least a bad taste in your mouth and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think it's another thing. It just makes the industry look bad when you have these excessive pay to win games that don't even take care of, of their big boys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, I, I'm just dumbfounded about like having the, the, the money and being able to drop a hundred thousand dollars on a wow. single game or even more like it hurts my brain when people like yeah. I know people that have dropped hundreds of dollars into games like this and I'm just well, like how in the world can you do that like that I is, have two I did it once um, for Counter-Strike the one the one to begin it all well, I should say the second to begin it all the first one to do it from what I understand was Team Fortress 2 with their hats and stuff like that um, and then Counter-Strike was the one that really hit it because of how widespread that game was. But, uh, you know, I did spend some hundreds on, on keys, which each key was $2 and 50 cents and each case you had to either play to unlock or purchase on the store for like 30 cents, 25 cents each. Yeah. Uh, and then you unlock I mean, them. The thing that, is, how, the thing how, is, how much time was that? Did that go over? It's probably uh, a couple of years, right? No, a few months, a couple months. Okay, maybe but not the even people that. that I'm that I'm talking about, they'll drop like a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars on a single game in a month, and I'm, yeah. it just yeah. hurts yeah, my yeah. brain. I mean, I did it in the sense that I knew that I could, if I got something, I could sell it, um, yeah. and I did. I got two. I got a. I got two knives. One sold for four hundred and ninety dollars, and then the other one sold for three seventy five. Uh, so I made like 300 bucks on it, I think. Like three, like 200 $300, I think I walked away in profit with that. Uh, and that was straight cash. That wasn't because it was like an outside marketplace. Um, gotcha. A little sketch. But in that sense, I did come back in an investment on it. But doing it, I felt like scummy. You know what I mean? Like I just felt like, oh my God, I'm burning so much money. Um, but it all worked out for me personally. But I do know people... Watch streams are all over the place. At one at one point, Trainwreck's TV, or Trainwreck TV, he, uh, I mean, he was dumping tens of thousands of dollars a night on cases. Um, now he burns hundreds of thousands of dollars a night on online gambling. So I mean, it's a what? it's a vibe. Yeah, Trainwreck mm -hmm. TV, sponsored by the, I forget what what slot online slot, betting bit. Uh, Digital currency. Let's just put it that way. I forget what that, currencies that, they have in there. You know what I mean? That's nuts. I, I'm, um, uh, I mean, I've seen him win $900,000 in, in one roll, over a million dollars in one roll. So, I mean, we're not talking like, you know, this man is up. <laughs> I guess he's down, he says, but he'll go down $400,000 in a night, and then he'll hit a $900,000 jackpot. So, I mean, it's like, it's crazy, but uh, that does exist out there. Complete, it's a completely different argument that has its own shade right now, uh, but it's in the same vein, you know. Uh, the exploitation of money through the art of video games. Not cool. Uh, last one here, uh, before I have a little bit of a recommendation, actually. Giancarlo Esposito stated he has met with Marvel to discuss a role and stated that he has interest in playing Professor X. He did mention a couple other parts, including Magneto, I believe, Um but I think his his personal statements, the video of him on stage actually talking and he's saying this, but uh, he he did let it out of the bag that he has met with Marvel regarding something. So, uh, you know, we might be having uh, uh, Gus head on over to to uh, Marvel. What do you think about that? 
Um, I think, I mean, I really like him as the, the dude in Mandalorian. Um, I think he does a villain, like a, a good villain. Um, so, I mean, if they did a Magneto or um, something like that and you want him different than the traditional Magneto, I mean, he'd be perfect for it. I don't know how I feel about him wanting to play Professor X. Yeah. I just, I think he's, he's like typecast. You know what I mean? I have to see something that he does where he doesn't act the same. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's always kind of felt like Gus, just in different outfits. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if you watch Breaking Bad. I I, I, I think we might might have mentioned that, but it's a fairly progressively risque show. And when he gets involved, it's some of the best TV ever made. <laughs> He's so good. Um, I mean, there's one scene that comes to mind that's like the most hardcore badass thing I've ever seen ever. But uh, I won't even I won't spoil it for for anybody that hasn't watched it. Watch it. Anybody out there, watch it. Get past the first season, and then it's off the rails. Like you gotta, you gotta earn it on that show, and when you earn it, it's like they were waiting for you to earn it, and then they just let you have it, and it's insane. It's a good, good show. Uh, but his role in that was very predominant villain, and like I said, that style is very reminiscent of everything that he's done that I've seen him in. So I don't know. I don't know if I want him in there. Um, I mean, if they are gonna bring him in there and he can't do anything other than what he does, then they need to bring him in as a character that does it like he does. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of how it is. But and that's why I'm like. He like he plays that character in uh, Mandalorian really well. Yeah. And I, I said I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if the vibe check. It's hard. Him. It's hard to like visualize where he would land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that is a thing he did mention. Uh, I guess we'll see. But you know, it's always cool. Yeah. It's always cool yeah. to see these actors that we like getting some work and, you know, a little bit of drama with Marvel this week and last week about their CGI and yada yada their CGI team and their. How the one person in the CGI industry made a comment to a magazine stating that the entire CGI community is is depressed at Marvel's Phase Four lineup because of the amount of CGI it's going to require, and how Marvel is is not great to work with because they have deadlines that uh, they expect people to meet and <laughs> they have issues with certain things and you know like any other contracted business. When it gets down to the nitty gritty and the the the, the wires running thin, uh, it gets a little heated, and you know there's some there's some issue. I haven't seen anything in regards to like abuse or like, you know, like mental abuse or harassment or anything like that. It's always just like they're very demanding. Well, I mean, they ask for a you lot. You have to be. It's like no shit, <laughs> duh, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like duh, you got you got a big deal. You you are working on this film. You need to get your shit together, and you need to get out there and and and, and you know, you know, lace your boots up. It's yeah. it's 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 a big deal to work on that that type of film. Exactly, um, and if if you agree to a timeline, you should fulfill that timeline. Yeah, I mean, I've been in, in industries in the past where it's just like there is no time to rest because the next the next truck's here in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Like that yep. type of thing. Um, I don't know. I don't want to. Everybody's situation is different. And definitely some of these companies can be horrible. But from what I heard, it really just kind of sounded like whining. And, um, you know, it's like maybe it's just time for for a new wave of CGI artists. Then, you know, maybe they're aging out. Maybe they're yeah. becoming their their parents. <laughs> how they didn't <laughs> want to deal with shit and all that. You know what I mean? Like that's just how it is. The older you get, the less you want to deal with. It's just how yeah. it is. 
and and you know to to then expect companies to to adapt to to your aging is is not kind of how it goes not given i'm sure a lot of these people are super young and then you got the question of you know are they even working really as hard as they say they are um but that's not my perspective on this in particular i just think that you know if it's if i were to go to the mall and i were to ask you know the same question to uh, everybody there you're going to have such a wide array of answers and opinions that it's just it's hard to get a, a general consensus uh, and until i see something like in writing that that marvel like truly does suck i'm just going to kind of take it as as passive bitching on, on behalf of some people that have never worked like a real real job you know what i mean so yeah. uh, i don't know <laughs> my personal opinion i don't know how you feel on it i mean i like i said i'm in the, the of the opinion that if you agree to certain parameters for a contract that you need to fulfill those parameters and if yeah. they're complaining that marvel's demanding because they want those parameters to be met i mean that's on them yeah. it, that sounds like a whining to the upteenth degree yeah i mean you and i work for uh, a tech company right a small tech company yeah and we had deadlines to fulfill uh, we had we, deadlines <laughs> yeah we had, we had to do it i was the account manager i was the person that was handling those deadlines and it was like no dude like there is no like you know get it done tomorrow or or can you wiggle wiggle it in tomorrow you know before lunch type thing i remember i would have like certain i forgot i forgot his name and we'll get into it but you know types of things where it's just like no dude like the ultimate point is the fact that the consumer the customer has to have this perception of trust and reliability and you know you yep. just have to stick up to it you have to do it uh, we said that it can get done um, because this is what we expect and we know that it can be done and it needs to get done so go do it like that's just how it is and and if you can't then we'll give you a couple more tries and if it's bad then you're out that's how it is um typically with any like scene and uh, they give the a scene to a cgi company and that they run with it yeah um and they typically have like a overall like cgi company that kind of meshes the scenes together and everything like that so they do work with a lot for every single film and every single show that's just how the business is right now um yeah so well i mean you got people that are trying to phase that out right so yeah. i mean you have that right we were at a precipice where you have people like john favreau and 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 disney with the volume um which you're going to be diverting your direction from cgi hiring which right now they're complaining about too much work um, to then migrating over to a, a real-time modifiable uh, volume type setup to where minimal CGI is required touch-up work possibly can be done in-house completely yeah. uh, and then you have a plethora of CGI companies that are gonna go out of business because Disney pulled business out of their city you know what I mean like yeah. it's that same story like I was talking about earlier it's like don't don't complain about having too much work ever <laughs> like you don't do that you know what i mean because like you could have no work and then you'd have no job yeah i mean especially with marvel if they sense that if someone's going to be complaining about having too much work or complaining about the deadlines i don't if i were marvel i wouldn't want to work with them i mean it's it's a hiccup and if you have the resources at your fingertips you don't spend very much time making those decisions because that time spent making that decision and lollygagging as to whether or not you're going to go with a different company 
is time money spent. So pull the plug, get them out, move it into the next one. You know what I mean? Like I would totally do the same exact thing. Like, I don't know. Like it's, it seems like a sense of naivety when I, when I read these comments in regards to how, how people perceive Marvel with their CGI. I mean, I have, you know, a, a bit of a, of a, a bit of a conspiratorial belief in regards to where this was this particular type of judgments coming from these statements but uh, really when it comes down to it even the way that it was framed just sounded more like people weren't willing to do the work um, and if that's the case if it gets too expensive it gets too difficult and too unreliable the industry will just adapt and phase them out i mean that's not what we that's want probably what the the volume is. i mean the volume is going to do that period you know what yeah. i mean like volume's not the only version of that now like they're starting to branch out um, i know you said andor's gonna be filmed separately and stuff like that but uh, to be honest mando felt good you know oh, yeah. it felt legit it felt it didn't feel fake cgi didn't feel like cgi uh, and when cgi was there it did stick out a little bit more which yeah another thing you know they're gonna have to catch up to keep up with this new leap mm -hmm. in technology well, and that, that's the other thing is Disney is making more volume stages and they're making bigger volume stages. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember if I talk about this in the Star Wars episode or not, but um, they are... So there's like Pinewood Studios, which is famous for like housing the production of the original Star Wars, right? Yeah. Disney bought a whole bunch of land very close to Pinewood and is building whole new set of studios that are almost mm. going to be exclusively volume based mm. with massive like triple or quadruple the, the volume space where they're going to have real sets in it then have the overarching yeah. volume there they're going to have like, to have a yeah i mean so that's, i mean that's what you that's want. probably going to be for the movie production moving forward for and it's going to look Star so Wars. solid it looks oh, better than beautiful. cgi i mean you look at like dc and i made a comment on our twitter about just the cgi and in the Snyder DC world, uh, just feels so like disjointed. It takes some yeah. stumbles down that uncanny valley, and like the movement feels off. It feels too fast and snappy. The artificial like um, like camera movement kind of throws my head in a loop, and it's like it just doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like like yeah, it looks flashy. It looks expensive in the sense that I can't do it, um, but it doesn't feel real. Uh, and I get a little more realness out of the Marvel films. I'm not going to say it 100%. I still take it with a grain of salt, but it's easier to take that salt with Marvel films. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Um, a last one here. Um, little recommendation. I mean, I, I mentioned it to you. It's the Sandman, Netflix, right? Netflix coming in with trash, hot trash lately. Um, I did watch the Sandman. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, and I mentioned it earlier, actually, like real fans and... And like, you know, back in the day before the MCU, like what are what fans look like and stuff like that. <clears throat> so this takes me back. Um, used to be on the website Newgrounds. And I remember um, Newgrounds is a website before YouTube on uh, 99, I think is when it popped up or something like that, 98. That's uh, where people shared uh, Flash games and videos that they made. Uh, it's a pretty toxic community, but that's where games like, I think, Gish, um, Super Meat Boy, Alien oh, Hominid... No. Um, what's the other one? Binding of Isaac, uh, Castle Crashers, uh, and a couple others. You know, these games went indie. They made huge money and very successful and then branched off into 
uh, game companies, you know, small indie game companies and stuff like that. So it's a website that had a lot of a lot of history, and those the OGs out there will definitely know what's up. Um, but I do remember in the very very depths of that website on one of the forums, there was a, a person that uh, I remember who used to call themselves. I think his name was the Endless. And I never knew what it was. He had always had like these these profile pictures of these cart of these comic characters. No idea who they were. Um, a very obscure group of characters. Well, the Sandman is one of those characters. Uh, it's Dream. Dream is his name, and he is the king of dreams. Uh, he's basically the person that controls the dream world, nightmares. He creates dreams and nightmares, and he 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 governs the lands that people visit when they go to sleep so he has the ability to travel to people's dreams and all this shit and he does have like this crazy gas mask but instead of a hose it's a spinal cord uh he has a gem and then he has a bag of sand that lets him like travel and do all this crazy shit um it's actually a really good show and that's the thing is like it's netflix i didn't expect it to be good um but it does feel more like something that would land on like hbo which to be honest, I, I think it should have, right? Like, it's a DC property. So what it is is uh, The Endless is the group of siblings that um, that the Sandman belongs to. Um, I think it's like Death, Despair. Um, there's a couple others. Uh, basically, you know, you're, you're different dark entities. And they, own, they all run their own lands that control people like their their uh, inhibitions and their dreams and their you know their wants their needs that type of thing there's this faction of of of, uh, of family members out there that, that do their thing um, they all control their own little realms oh despair uh, I remember being one of them um, it's a very dark show it has a lot of, of, of uh, pagan imagery uh, satanic imagery um, you know, it's just how the comic was written, how these characters were written. You know, one of the siblings is deaf, so obviously there's that character's job, you know, what they do. <laughs> so it's like uh, you have this entire family, and that's kind of the premise of the show, or the, the, the comic, I should say. Uh, and the show follows Sandman of that crew, which is uh, Dream. Um, it's a very risque show in the sense that it hits on some very touchy topics and also a little brutal at times, somewhat sadistic. Um, but as far as like a show, production, acting, feel, it's top notch. If you if you like the darker stuff or if you're cool to watch the darker stuff, um, and you know you don't know issues with the, the 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 references to Satan and Lucifer and Morningstar and all that shit. Um, it's a solid watch. It is a it is a come up for for Netflix for sure. So that's my just personal recommendation. If you're on the fence about it, watch it. Uh, yes, I do have one rumor uh, states that Ben Affleck was called in for reshoots to replace Michael Keaton for the Bruce Wayne cameo in the upcoming Flash film. A report states uh, the cameo was the cameo of, of Michael Keaton was confusing to test audiences, and they decided to bring Ben Affleck in to swap him out so people are more familiar and stuff like that. Pure speculation and rumor right now. Um, and then when asked if, when asked Keaton whether or not he had seen any of these films, he said, no, I have shit to do. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so that's, uh, that's that. That's that rumor I wanted to throw in there um, is that the explanation as to why and, you know, why Ben Affleck was on set with, with 
Momoa, um, and or I should say on on lot at WB when Momoa was there, what he was doing. He I think he was dressed more of like your Bruce Wayne type deal, and I had speculated in a previous episode, right, that he was most likely just going to come back as a Bruce Wayne cameo, not a Batman cameo. Yeah. Uh, but these stories like to run with it. Now he's coming back in the costume and blah, blah, blah. And they get really descriptive when it takes the reader in a completely different direction when they should be thinking something a little more simple. Uh, so there, there, there was that one. And then, yeah, the other one was EA says single player games are really, really important, the company says. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that has, if we take that at, at what they're saying, what they are doing is completely opposite. Yes, because Battlefront 2, anybody. I mean, um, Battlefront you, you, 1, anybody? Um, I mean, I Battlefront know. 1 didn't even have a story. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I know Battlefront 2 did, but it practically felt like it was, what, three and a half hours, four hours? Yeah, it was short. Yeah. And I mean... Um, Battlefield. No, yeah. 2042. The, the, they... Battlefield man. 5, right? Battlefield 5 had a camp... Uh, have a I can't camp remember. Camp? I don't know. I don't think it did. <laughs> if it did, oh well. There's yeah, a lot I mean, that they're skimping on. They're the worst company to say something like that. It's like they're yeah. trying to convince you. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's kind of almost like they're gaslighting us. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, it's really, really important. And yeah. uh, they don't do it. And, it, and, it. and they keep on, like, stating it and stating it. And then they don't do it. And they're trying to like, draw you in. Uh, they're trying to draw in yeah. a single player. It's like a single player game to me is like Red Dead. It's like. Um, Witcher, you know, it's a game where I can spend hundred plus hours in just exploring and learning and and participating in this world. Yep. yep. Uh, not not what they're <laughs> not what they're doing. That's not that's not that's not no that's not a good single player experience. I'm getting EA. So, um, but yes, believe us. That's what they say. Really, really important. Um, yeah, I I won't believe it until I see it. <laughs> yeah, so I'll probably never it. believe it. Yeah. Yeah, it was absurd when I read it. So I just had to throw it in there because I thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, aside from the Sandman recommendation, which again, I do recommend if you're into that type of stuff, check that out. Um, but that is pretty much it for this week's episode. Do apologize, went a little bit long. Uh, I knew with the game section uh, and then uh, the roundup, it was going to drag it out a little bit. And then the Warner Brothers discussion lasts a little long because it's a big one. Yeah. Uh, and probably will remain a big one for quite a while, to be honest. Well, I, I would imagine that we're going to get more information over the next couple of weeks, so we'll probably have some more tidbits we'll some, here some and there updates, coming out. Yeah. That'll probably yeah. fall into the, the roundup section at the end there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to anybody that's wondering, you can find us on social media at Nerd Chatter Show at Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Facebook, all that good stuff. If you're interested, you can head on over to our website, where if you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, you need access to any of the links. Uh, for the social media, you can head on over to nerdchatter.com. There's also another way to listen over there. Um, and you can find the podcast anywhere you can find podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, uh, and pretty much everywhere else. I think Caster's in there or something like that, right? Yeah. Wait, yeah. I actually learned that it's on Audible, too, because we do through Amazon Music. Ooh, nice. So, we did get it up on, on Google, too, yeah. So we are pretty much everywhere. Yeah. We are ever, that's a good one, actually. Audible. Nice. Yep. It makes it sound like professional. I know. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in becoming part of the co community, we do have our Discord, which is kind of just a chill, laid-back area where we share some stories throughout the weeks, free game links, all that good stuff, chit-chat. Feel free to join. Link down there in the description below. But you can also become a Patreon supporter over at our Patreon page, which, again, link is at the bottom. 
uh, but we record extra stuff we leak out information share images that type of thing over there for people that are interested in supporting the show i think that rounds it up garrett thank you for being here my friend of course i apologize and, uh, for my mom. yeah i mean it stuff's gonna happen we're gonna yeah. have longer episodes we're gonna have shorter episodes that's just how it is but it's always real it's always fun yeah and i, th- I don't think i'm gonna edit tonight i might edit a little bit tonight uh, but i am gonna go and hop on to twitch and stream a little bit um, nice. I'll have to watch. Yeah, you can you can watch. Probably not going to play because I know you're you're out right now. Yep, um, I'm not home. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna hop over there, play a little bit, check out maybe like that Roblox server, maybe a little Trackmania, maybe a little Marvels, Avengers. We'll see what's up. But uh, like I mentioned before, you can check that out over at twitch.tv right slash nerd chatter show. Uh, we do it like once or twice a week for like an hour or two hours, whatever, and it's a good good chill little experience and. Uh, you know, it'll be pretty nice tonight. It's a nice, chill summer Saturday afternoon. Uh, so I want to say thank you to everybody that stopped by, and we will be back next week. Are you good next week? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we'll be next week with uh, some uh, some stories that we gather up throughout the week, and uh, we'll go from there. So you guys take it easy. <laughs>